Uninvisible is a support podcast that provides information, ideas, suggestions, and experiences that deal squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice of any kind. We do provide support, concepts, ideas, discussions, and information that you can use to make sure that you are being heard and that your concerns are being addressed. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing, but we will be here for you along your journey. We welcome all comments about our episodes and, of course, the correction of any errors. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our Terms of Service and Privacy Policy, which are available on our website located at www.uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Most of all, we welcome your stories and experiences to share with our community because without you, this community and the benefit it offers all of us would not exist. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Of course, in the event that you are having a medical emergency of any kind, consult your physician or emergency services. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman, and I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. A trigger warning, we discuss all aspects of mental health in this episode, including suicide. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm here with Vincent Sabella, who is a filmmaker based in L.A., and he lives with a number of uh, disorders that he's going to tell us about, but um, really in the mental health space and a little extra. (laughs) So, Vinny, thanks so much for joining us. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And do you want to tell us about, um, you've got, you live with schizophrenia. Yes. um, Manic depression, anxiety, a pretty focused form of OCD, Uh and you were just telling me. Oh, and um, in 2013, I was diagnosed with um, stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So you really won the lottery. <laughs> I did. I, <laughs> I, indeed, I did. I won the lottery. Yeah, and you're and, here. Yes, I'm, so, I'm in remission. It's six years. It's going to be wow. six years um, August 1st that I'm in remission. Wow. Okay, so we're very close to the anniversary. Yes. So yeah. happy early anniversary. Why, thank you. <laughs> and isn't it after like five or six years that it's officially remission? Well, fi- five years, it's um, officially remission. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I have uh, I have to go back every um, year just for a scan, wow. but I'm a little bit neurotic, so I go back every two. I mean, I go back every uh, like six months. Yeah, every six months. Yeah. <laughs> I go back I twice don't blame a year. You. I would yeah. too, actually. <laughs> just to be sure, you know, yeah. just to be sure. So a lot of what you have lived through mm-hmm. is woven into your work. Yes. Um, can you tell us a bit about? Well, specifically, how you first realized that you had these disorders going on. Um, from everything from, you know, the anxiety all the way to well, the cancer. Yeah, um, uh, well, the schizophrenia basically mm. started as childhood schizophrenia. And okay. it went undiagnosed for years until I was about 16 when I had my first suicide attempt. Okay. And from there, I was diagnosed with depression and schizophrenia. And then uh, as the years went on... You know, being a teenager, you get lax with your medication, you don't take it, you know, this, 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 and that, and, you know, you don't want to take it because you think you're okay. So as the years went on, um, when I was 22, I had another suicide attempt. Sure, yeah. (laughs) And um, then uh, I came out that I had such anxiety, so um, then I was dealing with the schizophrenia, the anxiety, and depression. Mm. And then... um, 
Probably, I want to say, in my late 20s, I developed um, the OCD. Okay. And it just started out of nowhere. And it's not the typical OCD where I'm, like, washing my hands every five minutes. This is more of I'm worried I'm going to get sick and Mm. something's wrong and... And it makes you, it just makes, I hate to use the word crazy, but it Mm. makes you crazy. Well, it certainly would probably affect your daily functionality, right? Oh, definitely. Like, I would get, I remember one time I got a little cut on my finger. Mm. And it was, I think it was like a paper cut. And right away I was like, oh my God, I need a tetanus shot. Oh my God, I'm going to die. What's happening? And then the anxiety starts and and just triggers one thing into another, into another. Sure, yeah. yeah. So So going back to the schizophrenia, when you were first diagnosed with that and the depression and the anxiety, sort of the the whole, the winter winter chicken dinner there, Mm -hmm. um, what did that look like? Like how did doctors find out that you had it or did your family sort of take well in? when i was when i was a kid i would tell my mother all the time mom i see this man he's all in black he's coming out of my closet so mm-hmm. my mother right away brushed it off as oh it's he's a kid an imaginary, imaginary friend. friend and then i kept telling her and telling her and she totally was in denial and completely ignored it. Mm. And, you know, but we're going back to the 80s now, where I was probably about, uh, this was probably uh, 7 or 8, so it was 1987, 1988, because I'm born in 1980. Mm. And, you know, people didn't talk about mental illness back oh God, then. No. It was, like, it, I, I never heard, like, the word, like, anxiety, or, yeah. or like, like, I never heard anybody say, like, I have anxiety, or I'm depressed, you know? And looking back and seeing this, all this, you know, my mother definitely has some mental issues mm. and, you know, she refuses to deal with them. My grandmother was very, um, she was definitely bipolar. Okay. There was definitely something. My grandmother could just go from nice and calm to, like, ballistic in, in a second. Right. So, it, you know, so so it was definitely, it's definitely in the family. My sister actually is bipolar. Oh. My other sister, um, uh, she's in recovery now, but she struggled with an eating disorder. Oh, wow. So, you know, she so she spent some time in the hospital. And, um, yeah, but so it start, so the first sign for me was I started seeing this mm-hmm. guy. And then as the years went on, I kept I would hear things and and you know I just you know you you think to yourself it's your conscience sure. you know like is it my conscience talking to me but why does he sound different or do I have a really good imagination or <laughs> yeah you know? yeah like you know so and you're a kid so you don't you don't know and we didn't have access to the internet back then mm. you know the, the only way you could learn about anything is if you went to the library and I honestly didn't know what to look for yeah if there was Google I could have typed in um, I'm hearing voices sure. and you could have self-diagnosed yes. pretty immediately. Yeah. But that's <laughs> but a whole other rabbit hole that you can yeah. go down, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, we didn't have the, those options back yeah. then. So now, you know, I mean... And I, those discussions, like, even though they, they still have stigma attached to them now, I feel like they were even more taboo. Oh, they're, they're, they're definitely 90s, you know? definitely taboo. They, it's definitely, like, it's hidden in the closet still. Like, my mother won't, 
like it's very difficult for my mother to say anything about my because she thinks it's her, her fault in some way, uh, and it kind of is. But, but no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it kind of is. But you know, we'll let that go. But when <laughs> sounds like you've forgiven her. <laughs> yeah. So when um, so after my first suicide attempt. Um, I was diagnosed with depression mm-hmm. and in talking to the doctors and the psychiatrists, you know, they, they're all coming in and, you know, you're in this ward and you're basically on lockdown and, right. and you know, they take away your shoelaces and <laughs> I remember having a hoodie and they pulled out the string and you wow. get, yeah, you're not allowed any, like, they give you cups with uh, shampoo in them that you can't have any hard plastics nothing you can cut wow. yourself with yeah wow, it's yes. totally it's pretty thoughtful yeah, when it comes down to it but yeah, it's, wow yes and like it, like the sheets don't come off the beds Ooh, like it's so extreme it, like yeah. I, I mean they come off they definitely do come off, but you can't get them off. Right. <laughs> like it, it's it's crazy. So, um, in talking to the doctors when I was sixteen, I was like, "Listen, I don't know if this what's going on with me, but I hear things and right. I see things." And they're like, "For them, this is probably like a textbook case." Yeah, right? yeah. and they're like, "You hear voices," and they're like, "How often?" I'm like, "All the time." Mm. And they're like, "How severe? Like, are you able to function?" I'm like, well, I didn't think it was anything, so I just always pushed through. So it never really made me not capable of doing anything because I just really ignored it. And it seems like no one else really noticed no i kept tell your mom yeah and i kept i kept it really to myself because i didn't want like people already like i was already a weird kid you know (laughs) i just liked different things and i I was into different stuff and so i didn't want to tell anybody that because i'd be a really weird kid sure (laughs) so um so that's when that was all diagnosed when about 16 going on 17 yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and okay so they they diagnosed you with depression and with schizophrenia Mm -hmm. and then when does the rest of it, it, it's actually sort of- it's actually um I actually have schizoaffective disorder. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, and this is an important distinction, isn't it? Yes, because this is the distinction between someone who probably needs to be completely hospitalized or you know like who is on maybe stronger medications, mm-hmm. and someone like you who was actually functional. Yeah, I mean. It, it's it's basically case by case. There's sure. there's everybody is different. Everybody reacts differently to medications. Every yeah, I mean, there's people with the same thing I have that can't function at all. Mm. And, you know, so my kind, what, what, what I have is you, I can see, mm. I can see my hallucinations, I can hear them, I can have a conversation with them, but I also can feel them. So mm. I have tactile hallucinations, wow. which is very rare. Oh, wow. And... Not a lot of people have that, mm. and I there's um, Chris, our friend, we were just talking about our friend Christopher Ashman mm. who played uh, Tim in Elizabeth Blue. Yeah, um, uh, and, um, and this is a really important film that's related to your yeah, experience. Yeah, basically, it's about my my life and you know just living with schizophrenia. And also, <laughs> what was cool is that you actually instead of putting a male lead, you actually had a female lead. Yes, yeah, because yeah. um, I'm I'm gay and I uh, I'm married. I have a husband, and um, in the movie though, I I made the, my role um, a woman because. Uh, I just wanted to focus on mental illness. I didn't want this to be 
like a gay themed right. thing. Like you wanted to remove I, the. I wanted to. I didn't. The, yeah, because the, there would be too many things going on. Like he's gay and he's and he's he's um, schizophrenic and he's got all these problems. He sees people and you yeah. know. And so it was already a difficult film to make. Yeah. So I didn't want to make it an even harder film to make. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, you put a really strong female lead in the spotlight, yes. which is always really exciting. Yes. Yeah. So Hun- shaking things up. Yeah. Her name, her name is Anna Schaefer, and she's a fantastic actress. She was um, on the Dark Horse list in Variety for an Oscar nomination. It's just um, which wonderful, we isn't it? Were, when we were screaming when that happened. Yeah. Like it, it was the the whole film was just an amazing journey from start to finish. The film, the film is a beautiful film, and anybody who's suffering with any kind of mental illness. Um, Anything you're going through, like you could definitely, it's very, re- it. it's very relatable. Yeah. You, you need to see it and watch it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and speaking of like you know the experiences and how personal this was for you, it's not just the schizoaffective disorder. It's also um, the depression, the anxiety, the, the, the manic depression that you live. The OCD. With. It's all it's all combines into one. And you know yeah. if um you know and I'm 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 diligent with my medications. I, I make yeah. sure I take them every day and. You know, I have a great psychiatrist, and you know the sad thing is that so many people don't have access to a psychiatrist. So many people don't have access to medication. So yeah. you know, well, for you, it took a suicide attempt to get a doctor to diagnose you. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, and you know, even after that, it was still difficult because you know, being a teenager and staying on top of it. You know, it's it's been it's been a struggle. But I have to say, now I'm at a place where everything is just. I, I've been life is, I, life is good, and I've been very good for a while. All my yeah. medications are good because in 2010, all my medications failed, and we had to go through a whole process of trying medications and trying new things. And what? How did that happen? Was it just that your hormones shifted and you needed? No, basically, what happens when you're on like the same regimen for too long, mm. your body builds up a tolerance. Sure. So it's just like. Like, it's just not working anymore. Wow. Yeah, so, that and that's what Elizabeth Blue is basically based on, the year in 2010 when all my medications failed. And we had to start doing all these new medications and trying to find the right combination that worked. And we mm. finally found it, and it took a year. And my husband actually took a year off of work to stay home with me. Wow. Because if he didn't do that, I would have had to been locked up. Right, so you needed so to I, be watched. Yeah, so he yeah. was with me... 24-7 every single day. But isn't that amazing that you have someone uh, in your yeah, life? Yeah, and that's the other thing. People don't have that support system. Yeah. And, you know, and when we were about to talk about uh, um, that I have tactile hallucinations with Christopher yeah. Ashman, and, and he played um, he plays the villain in the, the film, no. Tim, and um, I, I was standing in my bathroom one night, and Tim is a real hallucination of mine, mm. and I could feel his breath on the back of my neck. Wow. It's that, it, yeah, it's... It's that it's, detailed. It's that real. Well, like, and that's it, where it's like, you know, you call it a hallucination, but to you it's, it's reality. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, it's 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 like, it's like a false reality. So you know, you know which one's na- real. Now, ones I, now I know, but I will tell you, when there's a new one, mm. I'm not sure. Sure. And I will literally... There was one day I was walking up the steps to our house and I was like, Joseph and he's like, Yeah I'm like, my my I met I I just made a new friend. His name's Sal. He's coming up and he's like, What? I'm like, Yeah and he's like, Babe, there's nobody there. 
and then it clicks in for me and I'm like oh god so when that happens are you like all right I need to adjust my medication no we don't go there right away because everybody has breakthroughs Mm. they're called breakthroughs and you know it just it's the nature of the beast like nothing's 100% you know so and like it's a constant balance yeah and it could happen at any time and any point where I could just completely I hate to use this word too but whack out Mm. And you know, and but and it's, I like that you're saying that like you don't like using words like crazy and whack out yeah. because it is it's like the it, it sort of reinforces the stigma right yeah and I I, I don't I, I don't like to use those words sure. but you know but to make it listenable for your listeners well, for, for people to <laughs> for understand, understand. <laughs> but I mean I think that's also a huge distinction to make here as well is that like people who live with these disorders sometimes have to make choices with the way that they describe things or with language that like compromise Mm -hmm. it compromises your your experience and Mm -hmm. it 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 in many ways um sort of minimizes your experience you know but like you're choosing these words so that people actually have a way of seeing what you're seeing yeah that's why i'm always like following over i hate to use that but (laughs) but i think it's important too that people understand and you know it's it's why words shouldn't be bandied around as cavalier in as cavalier fashion as they so often are you know i mean i actually you know it's not that I have a problem using the words. It, it's more, it's more like it's the way you use the words. What mm. what intention you put behind it. I think yeah. we're everybody as a society. I think we're all so sensitive now. You can't say this. You can't say that. Yeah. And you know, I mean, like, I feel like we just need to like get over it. Mm. Like, you know, just yeah. But then on the other side of it, you have you know, the, the extremes of it where, where some people are just saying what they want to say and doing what they want to do and they're really offending people. Yes. <laughs> so it's sort of like we need to it find is. a way It's to like the catch-22. It's yeah. like you can't win, you can't lose. Like if you say something, you're damned. If you don't say something, you're damned. Yeah. So it's like, what, like, what can I... You have to live I, with what you can live yeah. with at the end of the day, So right? basically, it, you know, it's, it's at your discretion to whatever comes out of your mouth. Yes. <laughs> just make sure that you sort of are aware of the, your audience. Like yes, that, right? exactly. Like, Definitely, yeah. yeah. You want to know who's in the room. Yeah, well, reading the room. I think reading the room is like, it's a skill too, because if you're somebody who has something like autism or a spectrum disorder, you might not be able to read the room, you know? So I mean, it's really you interesting know, I mean, to find and, there. And growing up, you know, I mean, I'm 38 years old, and, and growing up, like you know, there was words used in my house, you know, like... The R word, I bet. We used that a re- lot in the 80s. Oh, my God. How'd you know what I was going to say? <laughs> I feel like it was a real New York-y thing, like, because people would just Always, say it like, my, all the time. Like, my grandmother's, my grandmother's friend... Her her daughter, she had Down syndrome. Mm, yeah, and like, I like I'm whispering, whispering it. I got whispering. Yeah, shh. Yeah, because like it, it's you know it like and some, it, and it was you and then it's and it, being used it, as an insult. Yeah, and yeah, and it, it, it like it was okay to say it mm-hmm. though, and nobody got hurt feelings. To, and but now if you say it, you're like, oh my. But yeah, you know, it's not it, a good word. It's not a good word anymore. And yeah. so, yeah. I think it's also because of like literally what it means, and then the connotation that it took on the way people used mm-hmm. it. You know? Yeah. But I think the c word crazy is like that now. Yeah. You know, and like I, I think, I mean, I personally, I use that word, mm-hmm. and and I use the word mental mm-hmm. too. You know, like to describe ridiculous things that happen. But actually, yeah. When it comes down to it, like these are words that we shouldn't. Using, yeah, in that context, yeah, yeah and know? language is important. Like, yeah, I it, mean, it's like the difference between. I mean, I always use the word survivors instead of sufferers. You mm-hmm. know, like it's always that sort of balancing act, same as the treatments that you go through. And, I feel like I, I, I 
can get away with it because I do have all these illnesses. Sure. So, so I feel like if I slip up sometimes, I feel like, all right, I'm okay. I, I have it. I and I feel like it. you have the right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's one thing if you've lived through an experience like you have, you mm-hmm. know, like, or experiences yeah. like you have. Um, to have that sort of freedom with language. I think it gives you permission, but mm-hmm. it doesn't give Joe down the street yeah, permission totally. if they have no understanding. Especially if you don't have an understanding. If you have an understanding of it, I, like, I can totally forgive it. Yeah. But if you're totally ignorant to it, then just shut up. Like, yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, why don't you look it up? Like, so many people don't know what schizophrenia is. It's so often confused with multiple personality disorder. And wow. it's very, very They're upsetting. Very different. And um, I will give you an example. Mm. So um, in 2017, I had another suicide attempt the same year Elizabeth Blue was getting ready to come out. Right. <laughs> so I had another suicide attempt and I was in Del Amo, um, psychiatric facility in Del Amo. And okay. it's... Um, a state facility and the reason why I had to go there was because I was taken to Cedars because mm-hmm. I basically took um, I had just filled my prescription okay. and my husband found me on the couch yeah. and I was unconscious 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 <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he basically he panicked through and I, I was like, why didn't you call 911? And he threw me over his shoulder and he drove me to Cedars Sinai uh-huh. Hospital. And we live right down the block from the hospital. Okay. So he got me there and I was, st- I was still, I was foggy in and out. And, um, they p- brought me in right away and, uh, they hooked me up and just started flushing my system. They mm-hmm. didn't, um, they didn't pump my stomach, which was, su- oh, they didn't? no, which was very surprising to me. Yeah. They just, be- and it's probably because I have a high tolerance for medication and stuff. Uh, so, like, so you're already on high doses. I'm on is. high doses. So it, I mean, that was extreme, but mm-hmm. it wasn't putting me. It it, it wasn't going to take my life. It wasn't enough. If wow. I had, so you were lucky. Yeah, and, but also don't try this at home. Kids. Exactly, and yeah. I mean, if the one of the questions they had asked Joseph, did he take the pills with alcohol? And he was like, I don't know. And mm. they said um, the other thing was, um, did he leave a note? And mm. I did. And uh. um, so, Cedars does not have a psychiatric um, ward at all. At all. This is a huge hospital. It's one of the best hospitals. But they don't have a psychiatric ward. No. Which is extremely surprising to me. So I spent two days there waiting to be, to find out even if I was even going to be released or if I was going to be transferred somewhere else. Mm. And I basically was. And they come in, they put you on a stretcher. And they tie you up. Yeah. And it's just like you see in the movies. It's, t- it's totally like you see like on TV when they're putting someone in a straitjacket. Yeah. And um, did they put you in a straitjacket too? Um, they totally belted me down. <gasps> uh, tied my wow. hands down, my my ankles. But it's like for someone who's just put themselves through trauma. Obviously, they're trying to protect you Exa- themselves. They, they the don't token. realize that they they could possibly be causing more trauma. Yeah, that's and, extremely triggering. Yeah, and. I, being through it before, I was okay. And, right. you know, after it was all said and done, when I got there, I hadn't been in a state facility in a very long time. Mm. And so it was, I was like, oh my God, what did I, what did I do? And I'm like, you got to get me out of here. You got to so get me out of here. So explain to us the difference between a state facility and what, like, you've experienced before with, like, a private facility. So a state facility is run by the state and it's the bare minimal of mm. everything. Staff. 
medication, uh, beds. Mm. They want to they want to turn it over as quick as possible. So they only hold you for seventy two hours. Right. So because they need they need the beds. So if it's if it's an involuntary hold or mine wasn't an involuntary hold. Okay. Oh, if it is an involuntary, if like if I went and said I need to be like take me now, if I need to be committed. Yeah. Um. Then, um, they let you go after seventy two hours. But mine was in an intentional thing. So. Mm. You're, so it's involuntary. Yeah, it's involuntary. But you still, you're on the 72-hour thing. Right. And for the 72 hours, they monitor you. Mm-hmm. And if they don't feel like you're doing better by the end of the 72 hours, you're taken to another ward where you could be held up to anywhere from two weeks to a month. Wow. <laughs> so... You want to show improvement right away. Right. Well, and that's also where there's wanna... a performative aspect, too. Because, like, if you really just don't want to go in that other ward in lockdown, mm-hmm. then you kind of need to make it look like things are better. And, you know? and, people, and people do. And, All the time, and, sure. and to be honest, I wasn't 100% when I got out. I knew what I had to do and I, to get out. Don't, if, you, if you have to go, go. Stay in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to me. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, really what, what we're communicating here is that it's important to take care of your mental health. So like, yes. if you need to commit yourself or if you're worried about a loved one, like, go get help. Yes. That's that, yes. Yeah. So, but what I, 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 being in there before, I knew that mm. if I... You knew the drill. Yes. If I put on a good face, then... I took my medication and showed, oh, I, I made a mistake, and they'll, they'll, which is sad because they, they, don't, they don't have the resources to really lay into you mm. and really sit down with you and be like, oh, so you're better? Mm. Mm, let's talk about it. Let, tell me how They don't much have the be- time. They don't have the time. So, yeah. you know, everything is just, it's bare minimal. And then, you know, and then I've been in private facilities where it's just, you know, everything is... Just it's like a self care mental health vacation. It's, it's like going to like um, promises in Malibu, yeah, like a rehab it, it, it's, clinic. Yeah. It's like going to one of those, and so it's a difference between like a five star resort and a motel. Ex- exactly, it's like yeah. a motel sex. I will say the state facility though, it was in, immaculate. It mm. was so clean. They they definitely didn't cut the budget on uh, the, the the cleaning. Oh, well, and that's really important because, like, if people get sick on top of what they're dealing with with their mental health, yes, then, yeah, yeah. If it's so a nice, clean environment. To yeah, be in, at least. and you know, and there's there's bed checks every every um, fifteen minutes. Wow. So you, it's, so you don't really sleep. You don't. I was just about to say it's impossible to sleep. Which is a huge part of your general health, but also I don't know about you, but like for me, when I don't sleep, I'm not a nice person. No, I mean like it's it, they have to do it. There's sure. no way around it, and it's just. But that's a real block to recovery, I'd imagine. It, it's it, for me. I didn't sleep for the three days that I was yeah. there. I was just like because someone's walking in and out, and you share a room with five other people. There's five beds, five. Desks, which I don't. No, wait. Actually, I'm sorry. This is what bothered. I, I think they did this just to intentionally, like, just drive me up a wall. There was five beds, four desks, and three chairs. What? Yes. And it was. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. No. So everybody wow. got a bed. <laughs> so also, if you have OCD, you're going like, why aren't the numbers matching? <laughs> exactly. That's what I, I was like. Oh my god! Why would they do this to me? <laughs> and then there's desks, but you're not allowed anything to write with. Yeah, of course not. So, so what's the point of having the desk? Exactly. 
So it's just a thing to rest on. Yes. That's so weird. Yeah. It, it, it just made absolutely no sense. None, no sense. Not at and all. then you're sleeping on a pillow that's like plastic. Mm. And and yeah. then there's no there's no shower curtain. There's no door in the so bathroom. There's just no privacy. There's no nothing. Or humanity all. about it, it sounds like. The there, being woken up every fifteen minutes, not having any privacy in the bathroom, mm-hmm. like there's there's absolutely nothing. You're not um if you have any belong- belongings that a loved one brings you, they hold it until, mm-hmm. like, if you want to brush your teeth, you have to wait for the time to come to brush your teeth. And they watch you brush your teeth. Yeah, because they're not going to give you a toothbrush because you could turn it into a you, Yeah, absolutely. You know? Wow. Yeah. There was, um, there was a girl in there when I was in there, and uh, she found a way to um, cut herself. She was a cutter. And she found a way to cut herself. And she was doing it on something in the room, and they had to take her out of the ward and put her into another ward. Is that where she probably ended up in, like, a padded room? Not, I, I, um, I don't know, honestly, if padded rooms really exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, in Can you some, say anymore? Anymore, because yeah. they did at one time. I mean, there was a lot of things that existed at one time, like lobotomies, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, I don't... I don't think they exist anymore. I can't really say for sure. But that, that actually makes me wonder, like, is do you think it's better having mental illness now than it would have been having mental illness 50 years ago? Oh, my God, yeah, because you weren't, it wasn't, um, they just locked you up in, like, here we go again, I'm going to have to say, a crazy house. Yeah. And, you know, and it was, you know, it's... And they would give you a lobotomy and they would and do all of it. It's yeah. terrifying the things that they did because they yeah. didn't know anything. Yeah. Like in the 50s and the 40s. I mean, going back, like way back, nobody knew about anything about mental illness. There was this great show, actually, it was um, The Alienist. It basically dealt with um, mental illness in the early 1900s and how... Interesting. But, you know, it's great that shows like that and films like yours are are getting audiences Mm -hmm. and are are really attracting enough people to make them something that you can sell to a network Mm -hmm. or to, you know, having consideration for the Oscars, you know, that, that these conversations are now extending beyond just, you know, the wards. Yeah, and there's a lot of um, advocates now for yeah. mental illness. I mean, a lot of people are coming out saying, I am I have mental problems, mental issues. I, I, I'm, I, you know, I have uh, OCD. I have um, schizophrenia. I have bipolar. I have, you know, like uh, Lady Gaga came out. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm blanking on her name. Demi Lovato came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many more, you know, and, you know, and then I, I think there's a handful of people who get anxiety and think they need to be medicated, but it's not the same kind of no, form. It's very different. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so I, I you know, I, that's, that's another issue. You know, there's doctors that prescribe patients drugs that they don't necessarily need mm. and that that's another thing that's a problem and you know yeah. i mean so or over over prescribe over prescribe yeah. and then then people you know they od <laughs> yeah well and i think it's very very closely related to the opioid crisis mm-hmm. isn't it you know yeah definitely um, if it's not a painkiller it's some kind of absolutely know, anxiety medication mm-hmm. or something yeah so um in terms of when when you were first diagnosed mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you've said that you've had medication changes over the years, but how have you treated your condition? Has it been clonopin and like regular therapy or, 
um, like what are the different steps that you've taken, different doctors you've oh, seen, over things the, like that, well, over the years? Over yeah. the years. Well, um, for the last 14 years, I've had the same psychiatrist, Dr. Bowman. That's great. And um, So your doctor really knows you well. He knows me very well inside and out. So he's mm-hmm. been there through all the changes in medication for the last 14 years. And before that, um, I had a psychiatrist in New York when um, I lived there. And basically, basically, it was the same routine. But, you know, it, it, I I didn't actually go to that psychiatrist. One, one thing that's really important, if you have mental health issues, you need to find a psychiatrist that you really can talk to and yeah. work with. And, you know... One of the things I love about my psychiatrist is that he said to me, he's like, so many psychiatrists forgot to forget to be therapists. Mm. So he's So they both. just prescribe. So they know. just prescribe medication. They're like, what are you feeling? Okay, I'll write that. I've actually been to psychiatrists like that before. And I remember it was like my first experience going to a psychiatrist and she just wanted to write me prescriptions and barely get to know me. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like it makes but you so, feel very So strange. that's been my experience actually over yeah. the years, you know, finding the right psychiatrist and not just having someone give me drugs, but someone who would really listen to me and treat me the right way give me the right treatment you know give me the right treatment so that's really you know that's the psychiatrist part was really a a struggle through the years but you know um thank thank goodness i'm i'm past that yeah yeah yeah. and it was totally by chance too that i found him oh that's so lucky yeah so i mean i feel like sometimes the things that happen by chance are the things that are the most meant to be right Mm -hmm. you know yeah so it's been like regular visits to your psychiatrist and you've also done medication are there any other like treatments that you do like mindfulness or anything that's no sort of, like, no good. no i just i just live my life good and if i if i'm like i know when something's about to happen i've been living with this so long that i know when i'm off i like to say mm-hmm. i'm off like yeah you know, like something's not right what is that can you describe what that experience is like for us what it feels like yeah it's like um do you ever have a hangover? God, yes. <laughs> Don't know if I should be admitting that, but yes, I've definitely had a hangover. It feels like a hangover. It feels uh. like something's not right. It's like you wake up the next morning and like, you just, something's not right. There's that like a heavy... It's a heavy... It's, it's like a hangover. Yeah, and, and that like major brain fog. Mm-hmm. And, mm. uh, and that's when I know, okay, let me call Dr. Bowman and see if I should up my dose on something because we're at a point now I like where I can just call and ask like yeah. should I up this one pill because I feel like something's coming on and you know there's times where I do do that and there's other times where I just, I won't even call because I've been dealing with it so long that I'm like if I you take it if I take an extra one it's not gonna it's just it's not gonna do anything it's, right it's gonna it's gonna help me but also kids don't do this without your doctor <laughs> you should always consult your doctor <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh I'm giving bad advice I'm no, so sorry because no, I, I think it's also it's knowing your body and it's knowing yeah. what you can handle it's knowing what you can do well and I I also think there is that thing of like. When you're someone who deals with any kind of illness um, that is chronic Mm -hmm. and you're constantly at a doctor's office, sometimes it's like 
you got to just give yourself the credit for knowing at a certain point. You, you do. Know? Absolutely. So it's knowing I your body. I love that you and, just said that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm very aware of my body and how it feels. And if if my body doesn't feel right, I know that something's on the horizon. But this is also interesting because it's not just a feeling in your head, mm-hmm. right? Even though it's related to Yeah, no, it, it affects everything. Body. Yeah, it affects everything because, you know, I mean, uh, I it's like... And it, it, this is common with depression. You'll hear this from a lot of people. I can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, that's that's something to look for with depression. You know, I mean, yeah. with with all my things, you know, it, it's different things. Yeah. <laughs> so. But you can sort of figure out which ones are yeah. which at mm-hmm. this point. Absolutely. So also, what, what about with this cancer in 2013? Can you tell us how you found that? It was a Sunday in March. It was a beautiful day, actually. And... Me and my husband went to Home Depot's. I was like, I want to, I want to do some yard work, and I want to, I want to get some stuff. And mm. and I had gotten home, and there was this really, really heavy ceramic pot, mm. and um, I lifted it up, and I felt something pull, and I, I was like, oh, that didn't feel good, mm. and so. Joseph comes out and he's like, what are you, an idiot? What are you lifting this heavy pot for? Are you out of your mind? Because it's seriously like two people need to to lift this pot. (laughs) Monday morning, woke up and I got out of the shower and my abdomen was Mm. swollen right here, Mm. uh, right right below your chest. Right below my chest. And I was like, oh my God, I gave myself a hernia in my abdomen. And I look it up. And you can give yeah, yourself a hernia in your abdomen. That's like just from what you described about what happened. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like that's what it was. But obviously, I was like, so I was like, oh my god, I'm going to cry. Mm. And of course, your anxiety is going through. The yes, of point. course, yes. So and the OCD because oh I'm gosh. I'm worried I'm gonna get, I'm worried I'm sick now. Yeah, and I have to get surgery. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so I go downstairs to my who's my husband works from home, mm. and so I go downstairs and I lift up my shirt and I'm like, do you see that? And he's like, what? He's like, it's your abs. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm swollen right here. He's like, babe. You go to the gym every day. You work out every day. He goes, you're not swollen. Mm. He, but I'm looking at it from... And you can see the bump. I'm looking at it from down. Yeah. So I could see it extending. And I'm like, no, no. I'm like, get behind me and look over my shoulder. And he's like, I don't see anything. <sighs> so I'm like, all right. He goes, call the doctor. You think you have a hernia? Go. Go mm. to the doctor. He, that's his answer for everything. Go to the doctor. Go, go, go. So you married a guy who supports your Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, um... I mean, um, that's one way to make sure that you get out of your head, isn't yeah. it? You know, so, what are the so, I cal- so I calmed myself down, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give myself a day. Maybe I did overdo it at the gym. Maybe I'm just... Maybe it, maybe it's just swollen. Maybe, maybe I just pulled a muscle, mm. something. So Tuesday. It's really visible. Mm. Joseph sees it now. Okay. Call the doctor. Okay. <laughs> and uh, get get me in for the next day. It's a Wednesday now. Mm. And um, it's really extended now. And doctor was like, okay, um, it's definitely not. He checked me for a hernia because he pushed all over. And he's like, this is not a hernia. Definitely not. Mm. He goes, um, I want to do an x-ray. And uh, I think um when the x-ray comes back i'll I'll tell you um what i think 
it might be. So I'm like, okay. So he does an x-ray and it comes back and he goes, it's odd. It, it looks like it's not what I thought it was going to be. And I forgot what he actually thought it was going to be. Mm. And he's like, it's odd. It looks like you're holding a lot of gas. And he goes, I'm going to give you, prescribe you some anti-inflammatory. Sure. Yeah. And um, if it doesn't go down by, um, I would say, tomorrow afternoon, call me back. Mm. So I uh, go home, I take the anti-inflammatory. I wake up in the middle of the night on Thursday. My stomach is filling up with fluid at this point. Oh, wow. And Joseph, my husband, he's like, okay, um, this is going to sound a little gross, but... uh, We talk about gross things on this show all the time. The doctor actually, um, he had told me, he was like, do an enema. Okay. Because it could release the gas. Sure. So... At four in the morning, I'm doing this, and I'm just, and nothing's coming out. Mm. Nothing at all. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and now I'm in, and, and my skin is stretching because it's like I'm pregnant, so mm. it's hurting now. So Thursday, as soon as like nine o'clock rolls around, I'm out to here. Mm. And so called the doctor back, and he's like, okay, we got to get him into a gastrointestinal specialist. Sure. Um, so he gives, he refers us to three of them. They all couldn't see me for like two weeks. And you weren't like, this is an emergency guys. Yeah. No. And Joe's just like, we're like Dr. Chang, he, he looks pregnant. Like yeah. he, he needs to see someone, now. see somebody now. And he goes, he said, all right, um, you can go to the emergency room. Mm. He's trying to calm me down and he's trying to think of things. And so in the meantime, he play he calls the, three places and he's like if anything opens up please let us know mm. something opened up oh, lucky. <laughs> someone canceled mm. and <laughs> that's a good tip actually isn't it but like you always it's always just always put the always say if something can somebody cancels please put me in yeah so someone canceled so now so it's friday and i'm in so i i go and it's about four o'clock it was the only time and I remember meeting the doctor. Her name was Dr. Olson, and she looked like a TV doctor. She's so beautiful. <laughs> and that's um, LA for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And she comes in, and she's just joking, and she's like, "You're so, so." I heard you got lucky to go a cancellation. She goes, "I actually don't understand why my patient canceled because he had rectal bleeding." And I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> she sounds fantastic!" <laughs> and, and I busted out laughing. And so she goes, "Okay, let's have a look at you." She goes, um, "Take off your shirt," and she goes. You don't look like this normally, do you? And, no. she, and she, I was like, no. And she's like, okay, um, I need to um, stick my finger up your butt. Oh boy! <laughs> and she knew right away. And she goes, okay, I'm sending you over to Cedars right now, and they're going to do something called a wet scan. And I was like, what is that? And she, I've never heard of that. Basically, it's an M- it's MRI. You drink the stuff. Um, you drink oh. the stuff. But the reason why they call it a wet scan is because you get the results back in rapid speed time. Oh. So I got the res- She was like, "You'll get the results back in like forty minutes." Hmm. So I go in. No sooner do I get out of the scan, the doctor calls Joseph, hmm. and it's not Doctor Olson. It's um, her, an associate of hers, and he goes, "Is Vincent?" with you right now and she, he goes yes and so he's like I think you should step away so mm. he told Joseph it's 
either he has a bad intestinal infection mm. or it's cancer. And we're going to admit him right now. Wow. So <laughs> I was literally admitted. And then, but then I had to still be admitted through the emergency room. Mm. So I have an IV pick yeah. hanging out of my arm and I'm standing in the emergency room and Joseph's like, this is not happening. And my husband is very take control of the situation mm. kind of guy. He's like, no, no, no. He calls uh, Dr. Chang and he, because all my doctors are at Cedars, mm. calls Dr. Chang and he's like, he's in the emergency room. He's, he has a tube hanging out of his arm and like, you need to get, he made, Dr. Chang made a phone call. They called my name in like two seconds and wow. they got me in the emergency room. I'm in a bed in the hallway and, uh, they took me up to a room about an hour later, and then we got the final diagnosis. I was probably, that was, I was admitted Friday night. We didn't find out exactly what it was until the next Thursday. And because wow. I, I went through a week, because I was admitted on a Friday. On Saturday and Sunday, they don't really do any So you were just on vacation tests. in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. So basically, they were just keeping me comfortable. I was mm-hmm. on dilated because my stomach kept... At this point, my stomach—I was looked like I was pregnant with triplets. Wow! And um, then Monday morning came, and that's when all the tests started, and it was non-stop. I—I wow. I, I mean, you name it, I had it. I had three spinal taps. I had two bone marrows. I had. Oh um, man! They—they uh, they had to put me under, and they put a tube down my throat, and um, I had to do. Whatever the scan was, it had to be approved by a board of doctors. Oh, my God. Because okay. it's so expensive. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I had that. And then I had to have a parasantium. And they, What's that? Where they basically had to lay on my side and they, you know, like a bike pump? Yeah. They pumped all the fluid out of my uh, stomach. Well, that, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Just, yeah. So okay. I had to get that done. <laughs> and wow. Okay, so... All right, we think, all right, we're okay. And they, so we finally find out what it is and, like, it's treatable. And Joseph actually had lied to me and told me I was only stage three because he didn't want me to think I was, like, at death's door. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so what had happened, though, was they're like, okay, we're going to start chemo on Sunday. Mm. Okay. And this is now, like, two weeks since the first thing yes. happened. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So... And they had to monitor my blood every 20 minutes to make sure I wasn't going to go into tumor lysis. That's when your kidneys can't process the chemo quick wow. enough. I went into tumor lysis. Wow. I had to be rushed to the, um, what you call it? Uh, the ER again? The, not, not the ER, um, intensive care, ICU. Wow. And they had to put a catheter in my neck because they had to drain the blood I had to go through the machine, recycle it, and put it back into my body. Oh my <laughs> and I was hooked up. I was in ICU for three days, hooked up to this machine, in bed like this, not be, couldn't not move. Not being able to move, yeah. yeah. And it was, and then after the three days, then I went back to a normal room. And grand total, spent 22 days in the hospital, and I actually wrote a script called 22 Days. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Based on this whole experience. Wow. This episode is sponsored by Ember Wave, the intelligent bracelet that helps control how you experience temperature. I'm heat sensitive, and this device has been a lifesaver. Using patented technology, it cools or warms the temperature-sensitive skin on your wrist, creating a natural response in your body and mind that helps you thermally adjust in minutes. It was selected by Time Magazine as one of 2018's best inventions. 
For those of you with mounting medical costs to consider, the team at Ember offer a payment plan in partnership with a firm. And because you listen to Uninvisible, they are offering you $30 off. Go to emberlabs.com slash invisible, that's E-M-B-R labs.com, and experience personal thermal wellness on a whole new level with me. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you've been in remission now. Five years going on six. Going on six, mm-hmm. which is so exciting. And Such good news. the magical thing about all this was I did not have any form of schizophrenic episode, any gonna OCD, ask about this. Yeah. any anxiety, anything. Not even depression while I was going through it. I went through five months of chemo. I had okay. nothing. I was fine. I was totally, completely fine mentally. That's really lucky. So I don't know if it's luck or yeah. if it was just someone saying, all right, he has a lot to deal with with this. Let's not also give him anything added right right, right now. Well, it's the universe <laughs> blessing you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, um, wow. You know, well, because you often hear among cancer, cancer patients that like the treatments can really get you down because you get so sick so fast and... Um, often antidepressants are hugely prescribed for, for cancer patients, aren't yeah. they? So it's really interesting that you were lucky enough not to go into a tailspin yeah. because of all of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was stage, and how I found out I was stage four was because um, of the bone marrow. And um, it, I, it was in my bone marrow. So um, then they had to do a spinal tap to make sure it didn't go to my brain. So yeah, so wow. yeah, so that was that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> you know, well, but I I will say though, um, I did. If this is for anybody dealing with any kind of whether you're dealing with mental health, whether you're dealing with cancer, follow what the doctors say. Mm. You know, listen to your doctors. I know there's people out there who believe in all this holistic stuff, all this holistic medicine. I don't. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if holistic medicine is going to cure your cancer. Well, there Before are people start. that really do believe yeah, it. They yeah. they really are. They're like, oh, I'm, if I drink green grass juice, I'm going to be mm. fine. Like, because I I actually have read stories of it, and it's 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 really disheartening. So whatever you have, follow. Just listen to your doctors. Yeah, listen. and listen to your body too, because that's really what you did, and you knew something was up right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you know and. It's funny because, you know, I have the OCD where I think I'm getting sick yeah. and I actually was getting sick. Was that sort of validating? <laughs> it it kind of was, actually, because I was like, this time, this one time, I'm, I'm not, right. I'm right, I'm right, I'm actually right, I'm not imagining this. <laughs> so you mentioned that Joseph has been with you through so many of your, your health challenges and yeah. especially when you were diagnosed with cancer and, and really sticking up for you in the hospital. Yeah. Would you consider him to be your advocate in the hospital? Oh space? my God, yes. He's yeah. He's like, you have no idea. He, he's he sounds always- wonderful. He Thank is, you, Joseph. He, if you watch the movie Elizabeth Blue, mm. the character Grant is Joseph. <laughs> yeah, lovely. So um, he um, he's a big advocate, and he he's always talking about mental illness. And he, mm. I think, he knows more than some doctors actually, because yeah. he he's become a seeker. he's he's become such a researcher and he, he wants to know everything about everything even when I had cancer he was looking into he was reading everything and everything the doctors were telling him he wanted to be a step ahead of them and mm. 
he, when the doctors would come back with that information, he would already know what they were talking about. And that's how he is with my mental health. Yeah. You know, he wants to make, he, he stays on top of everything. There's this new, um, I shouldn't say it's new. It's been around a while. It's called Smart Brain. And it sends electrical waves to your brain. Oh. And so this is something that's, my husband's been. Is it being used to treat schizophrenia? It's being treated to treat schizophrenia. It's being treated to treat depression. It's also mm-hmm. being treated, um, it, it's being used to treat um, people with addiction. Wow. And it's really amazing what this does. And it's encouraging some kind of neuroplasticity, it sounds it's like. Do, yeah. Yes. And so um, it's basically, it's a month-long process, and you have to go every day for a month. And I think it's either two hours a day or three hours a day okay. that you sit in this chair and it does this. Wow. And basically you're, you're up and you can read, watch want. TV and, but, um, it's very pricey on insurance does not cover it. Um, and we have excellent insurance and we were shocked. So we need your next film to be a big success <laughs> so that you can go do smart brain. <laughs> well, no, well actually I'm, I don't want to do the smart brain ah. and there's, there's a reason why, because I'm a little, I'm, I think differently mm-hmm. and I look at all my mental illnesses as some kind of blessing in disguise. Well, it's interesting because when I was thinking about you coming here for the interview, I was like, you know, we use the term mental illness. I don't even like the word illness mm-hmm. in there because it's not necessarily an illness. It's just something that makes you a little different. Yeah. You know, it's just mental difference, I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah totally. It's yeah, a great mental way. variety. Yes. <laughs> so I, I look at everything I have. And everything I've been through as a blessing in disguise. Mm. And that's so important. So I don't want to do the smart brain because I'm a visual thinker. I Mm. I know I just think differently. I see things differently. I see the world differently. And even though my psychiatrist has told me it's not going to affect anything, I think it's going to change change something like something fundamental in yeah brain. just like something yeah. just change the way i think or anything and and I, and you're fine I, on the treatments you're on i'm now. fine yeah. on the you know the the only reason to do it is to stop treatments and because like medications it, you know, stop medications mm. and because it's it's not a cure right but it has long lasting effects okay because um there's some people that have done it and it only lasted them a month Mm. and then there's people who have done it and it's lasted them years Mm. so this is this is pretty new it's not that new i would say um the first time we talked about it i think was in about 2011 okay well so very relatively new i'd say yeah in the medical space for sure definitely so so joseph's been researching all of these new things that you can try yes and 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 he's an advocate for smart brain he's like yeah do it do it do it do it i'm like no no, 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 no. <laughs> no. So, no. how has it sort of has it strengthened your relationship having someone on your side? I mean, through all of this. I mean, yeah. Or is there sometimes like, shut up, Joseph? I want to do it my way. No, yes, it, it is because it's you know some days you know it's like, did you take your medication? Yes. <laughs> And for those who can't see this right now, it's pretty great. Vinny's just rolling his eyes. Yes, I've taken my medication. Yes, I took the pills. <laughs> right. Does he say that when you're like being moody with him? Have you taken your medication? <laughs> oh, yes, actually. It's like when you say to a woman, are you on your period? It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> it's the most condescending thing, although sometimes it's true. Yeah, no. So I'm like, yes, I took everything, Joseph. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, but he's concerned. 
So Yeah, and, and, and it's good because you've got someone who's like, also when you're in the hospital and not getting seen right away, who's sa- call, making the calls and making sure you get in mm-hmm. a bed right away, which I think is yeah, and, so great. And yeah, I'm very lucky to have him because mm. uh, I'm not good at talking to doctors. Mm. So he, I gave permission. Yeah, I gave permission because do- doctors have a certain way of talking to you and... I didn't go to medical school. Yeah. You need, you need to understand <laughs> I need a translator. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, he, thank God he's there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, that's really wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just wondering what a typical day looks like for you. Uh, so, a typical day, like, a typical day is a n- normal day for anybody. Like, I, mm-hmm. I wake up, I go to the gym, and I do what I gotta do. I go right. home, I go yeah. home, I write, I, I, you know, I walk Jackson, our hound dog, and, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's a typical day. And even if... I'm a little off. Mm. It's still a typical day. I treat my life as every day is a typical, oh, a typical day, because yeah. there's no point in like getting down on it and being like, "Woe is me!" And oh, I'm not going to go to the gym, and I'm not going to do this. It's just that you know what your typical is. Yeah. Your typical is just not everyone else's typical, and that's okay. Yes. yes. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and so you've really found a way to remove the stigma for yourself. I totally did. I had yeah. to because I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be. You know, I don't. I don't like to say this either. I, I didn't want to be one of those people who... A statistic. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to be that. I don't I don't want to be a statistic. I want to be a statistic of a different kind. Of success. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Well, and it sounds like you've got such a positive mindset. And I mean, we talk about mindset a lot on the show and how important it is. Extremely In any important. kind of healing experience, mm-hmm. but like really just in your everyday life. Yeah. Being able to be positive about like, okay, this is how I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's wonderful. And it, it's work, and and, mm-hmm. and you know, and being being positive is work. And am I positive yes. all the time? No, but for the most part, I for the most part, I like to say this year. I think it was like it wasn't necessarily a New Year's resolution, but mm-hmm. it was definitely a thing where I was like, I'm going to make more of an effort. To be more positive and have a better, have a different outlook on things. Yeah. yeah, So you are really being intentional. Oh, extremely. Because it's just, I think it's just good for your mind, your body, your soul, everything. And where it's not something that you've sort of gotten there by meditating, Mm -hmm. you have made a conscious decision Mm -hmm. that there's going to be positivity every day you're waking up. Yeah. Which, as you say, is work, but it's still... Yeah. Definitely, it's work. I mean, like, I'm not getting up and, like, doing yoga and, like, um, I'm in my downward door- dog position and I'm, I'm feeling great. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but I you really, do go to the gym. Like, so I the gym, gym is, it is therapy, actually. Yeah. The gym is therapy for me because I love it. I go three hours a day. I'm That's, like, wow. Nut. Yeah, no, I, I got, I've gotten very health conscious. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I always, always worked out and I always went to the gym, but not to the capacity that i been doing it. Yeah. So it's. Do you pre- think that's been a reaction to recovering it, from cancer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. After that, like I stopped. Uh, I I stopped drinking for. Mm. I actually stopped drinking for five years, and now I'll just have like a glass of wine. You obviously are creating a lot of your own work. Yes. And you're putting a lot of time into into the management of of your entire being, your mm-hmm. body, you know, mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. care of yourself. How are you balancing the demands of work and life? With managing the day-to-day symptoms of mental illness? Or is it just sort of like it goes without saying at this point? It goes without saying at this point. I mean, I'm very fortunate where I don't have to work a 9-to-5 job. Mm. You know, so I am very fortunate in that aspect. You know, I, 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 I'm, 
I live a very privileged life mm. and you know I, I I don't like to take it for granted and I'm very fortunate that I can do what I want to do when I want to do it getting back to <laughs> um, you know being in the medical system and and sort of um, living through diagnoses and, and treatments have you ever been in situations where you've had doctors or not necessarily doctors but like colleagues or friends or family who just didn't believe you when you said that something was going on yeah well my mother didn't the, believe your mother me. yeah my mother totally didn't believe me and um i never had a doctor not believe me that's lucky um yeah no really it was just uh, just really family yeah you know and i think and and, stigmas. And, and, yeah and i think it's because of like i said the the period in which i grew up Mm-hmm. You know, so it just wasn't a time wasn't, to talk about that. Yeah, nobody was talking about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we know that you've created films mm-hmm. and created art out of your experience. Oh yes. yes. So has your your experience turned into advocacy on a scale that where you're working with mental health organizations or you know what are what are you doing with all of that? Uh, well, you know, um, there's this great. Um, it's called um, NAMI. National Alliance for Mental Illness, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we with the when we did the film, we donated all the um, proceeds. All of them? Not, not all. I'm sorry, a portion of the proceeds. <laughs> a portion, yes. <laughs> to the, the, this organization, you could follow them on Instagram. It's we'll uh, link to them too. Nami communi- communicate. Uh, I think it's on Instagram, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in, I'm involved with them. Like sometimes they'll they'll reach out and say, "Hey, do you would you mind speaking at this or that?" And it's, it's like usually like like um, dinner, like little dinners and stuff, and just because they want survivors, you know. Yeah. People, and I, I, you know, I, I I never I don't think I ever really called myself a survivor honestly before. I'd say so, you absolutely are. <laughs> you know, like it's just you know I just I don't I, I don't I, I don't feel like I'm anything. Special, like I just, I just feel like I'm just living my life. I really love your perspective. I think it's so refreshing. You know, I just, I just really do. I just really think of just living my life, and you know, it's that this is your normal. This, this, is, this is, is so. This is what I do. This is what I do. I mean, so you know, so you so, really have a laid back attitude about it, considering the yeah. fact that you have anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, exactly. I mean, I this really, it, I honestly, I wanted to. Um, get involved with Covenant House because mm. I have this really soft spot in my heart for homeless youth. Mm. Like, it kills me. Homeless teenagers kill me mm. for some reason. I don't know why. And I wanted to get involved with Covenant House, but I... And you fill out the application online, and I, I couldn't finish the application because I would have got rejected because you have to state your mental health. And they wow. don't want anybody... Who has mental health problems because a lot of these kids do have mental health. But wouldn't it really help them to be working with someone like you who's lived through it? I'm not a licensed psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. I only could speak from my experience and they don't want conflicting opinions. Mm. You know, because what works for me doesn't work for everyone. Yeah, Yeah. so I I couldn't volunteer. That's really upsetting. yeah. It was upsetting. I really wanted to. I really wanted to work with them. And I'm sure there are some. other organizations, especially locally in LA, that you could get involved with. No, nothing. Because of my mental health, no. 
Well, hopefully some of those kids will find you, you know, on the internet and find your films and... and yeah, I'm all over. So, how important do you think it is for us to be talking about these invisible conditions? These, you know, that you're living through stuff that nobody can see from the outside. I think, you know, I think it's... I think it's important to talk about it if, if you're comfortable talking about it. Mm. You know, I mean, like, people... Some people don't want to talk about it. People don't want it because there's still stigma about it. Yeah. You know, and people But do we is the only way being... to break down the stigma to keep talking? I mean, I don't know. Like I, I can't give you an answer on that. Like yeah. like I, I I mean I want I want stigma around mental illness to stop, but like I don't want to pressure anybody to be like, Oh well let me talk about it because it's gonna stop it. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily see that, like, as, like, everybody's going to have their opinion. Everybody, like... And everyone's going to have their experience. Yeah, and, so yeah. everybody's, everybody... So it's about respecting that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, about like, going, like, okay, you want to share about it, but maybe this guy I mean, it's doesn't. I mean, it's the same thing with, like, like if you're gay and you don't want to come out. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like, you shouldn't have to. Like, yeah. you know, so... Well, it's interesting because you talk is, about you talked about with regard to mental health, people coming out. Yeah, about mental health. So we're like we're using the same terminology around mm-hmm. you know sexual identity and around yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like if you don't want to tell any, if you don't want people to know something, then you don't have to. Then that's your business. To. But it's good because mm-hmm. you've you've really put your foot down about what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like I don't even tell like I don't even tell people I'm gay. Like if if I'm if, if I, it comes up, if it, it comes come, up. Like, yeah, I mean, like. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the most masculine guy, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, if you think it, you think it. But yeah. uh, like, if you if you ask me, I'm gonna be You'll like, say it, like I'll, it's not, I'll yeah. say yeah, because right. it's just a part of who you are, but it isn't who you are. Exactly. Yeah, You're and that's something that wise. comes up. Yes. Well, but I mean, that kind of wisdom I think is gained with experience, mm-hmm. and I think it's something that comes up a lot on the show because. You know, we go through these experiences that either define us mm-hmm. or don't. Yes. And then once these experiences do shape who we are, we kind of go, well, then am I completely, is my identity this thing mm-hmm. or am I, is it a part of me? Yeah. And, I, and I think it's like we all begin to understand that this is just a part of who we mm-hmm. are. And I was wondering <laughs> if you had some top three tips for someone who suspects they may be entering this world of invisible illness or invisible conditions that maybe they suspect they have something going on with their mental health or, or with their body if there's maybe cancer or something. What would you recommend to people who might be becoming one of us? Go to the doctor. <laughs> 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 All right, that's number one. Go to the doctor. No, seriously, like, I, I, I would say just be very aware of your body. Be mm. aware of your mind. Be aware of your body. Just and and just if you think something's not right with yourself, go to the doctor mm-hmm. because like you can't diagnose yourself. Go to the doctor. Get medication. Get go. Everybody should go for a physical every year. Yeah. Oh God, yes. You know, yeah. even even if you're just going for a physical every year, well, go a lot get of us out. in this invisible illness community, so many of us see our doctors all the time anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> seriously. You know, <laughs> we're regulars. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, like uh, just go to the doctor. Just go. Yeah. Just go. Like it, you know, especially if you have insurance, go. And if you don't have insurance, there's so many walking um, the. What, the, those, stuff, uh, what yeah. are they called? Uh, urgent care. Urgent care, yeah. yeah if mm-hmm. you think something's wrong, go to an urgent care. They're really inexpensive. That's so, super. Yeah. So there yeah. are ways to find treatment. There is there ways to find. Actually, oh my God. 
treatment. If you need treatment, okay, the Gay and Lesbian Center yes. offers treatment. Gay and yeah. Lesbian Center has a whole psychiatric floor, and they have therapists you can go see, and that you can get medication there, and it, it's free. That is amazing. It's free. I, I, they they like you to don't like if you can make a donation. Make a donation yeah. You know, which makes up for the like if if you can, then it makes up for the people who can't. Yeah, you know? and if you're there getting you know a little psychiatric screening, you might as well get an STD screening. Those are free too. Then. It's like a two for one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because the gay and lesbian center here, I hear really good things about, and that's just in LA. But obviously, there are centers. Oh yeah, they're all over the country. Yeah, your local center. and hope. That- I mean, I know you've made lifestyle changes. Like, you, you take really good care of yourself. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're aware of your body all the time so that you can track changes in your mental health. Mm-hmm. Do you have, like, top three guilty pleasures or, like, cheats or even, like, comfort activities if you feel like something's going on? Um, my husband is mm. my... If anything, if I feel really off, I just go to him and... It's going to sound funny. We put on a movie, and it's so odd that this movie calms me down because it's the day after tomorrow. It calms me down. Like, I can't... Do you think it's like disaster movies? Like... It has to be. Seeing some other people have a worse time? It has to be because it's not only um, the day after tomorrow that calms me down. It's, um... Oh, my God. And also, you know what happens. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, and th- there's another movie. Uh, that, like so, Independence Day or something? No. Uh, Psycho I, relaxes Psycho. me. I can't even tell you. That's so funny. <laughs> yes. It's so Which, odd. I mean, that's an amazing film, too. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. So, but The Day After Tomorrow is the major go-to when I'm feeling like I need something to calm me down. Yeah. Uh, um, what else? Uh, guilty pleasures. Um, uh, the uh, Chocolate. Yeah. If I'm in a bad mood, if I have a piece of chocolate, it's like a light switch. Mm-hmm. It's really a- amazing. Yeah. Like, I can't even tell you, like, any kind of chocolate. Really pleasure. Chocolate. Jackson, my hound dog. Snuggling with Jackson. Yeah. Um, and the gym. The gym. The gym's been big for the you. The gym's yeah. a big, big thing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I like, I, I'm always talking about, I'm always talking about the gym and people are like, because, you know, some people just, like, don't get what it really does. Like, it, it really, like, induces your endorphins. It mm-hmm. gives you energy. It, it, like, like, it does so much for so you. if physically you, ha- you have the stamina to do it, it's a great thing to do. Yeah. And, yeah. like, you know, I would even say, like, if you don't go to the gym, like, stretch. Yeah. You know? Just, just Stretching st- is really good. Stretching is so good for you. And it'll help reduce pain in your body. I mean, like, when I go to physical therapy, my physical therapist stretches me. Yeah. You know? Like, like, you, don't, like you don't have to do yoga and all that. Just stretch. Just mm-hmm. If you're in the shower, try to touch your toes. Yeah. You know? Just start out there. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's lovely. And pretty soon you'll be able to put your legs behind your head. You can do it. If you yeah. stretch every day, you can really do it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's about building up mm-hmm. that that strength and everything. Yeah, so. totally is. Aww. So yeah. Well, Vinny, it has been such a pleasure having. Oh my god, this was so great. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. 
We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.